Well, welcome back to Ways to Love Your Money. We're in a different part of the, the studio today, and uh, you know this is the beginning of season five, so we hope that you really love the material that we're going to bring to you. Share it with your friends. Share it with people that you think might be uh, of interest to get more strong financial education. Uh, today, I think you're going to get an enlightenment with our guest. His name is Ryan Warch. Um, he is the principal of Warch Capital. Uh, he is a hedge fund manager. So most people today don't understand what a hedge fund is. It hasn't had the best um, glimmer of knowledge out there for most people because they go directly to um, maybe managing things you know, at a, at a big firm uh, like a Vanguard or a Fidelity and they don't understand what a hedge fund manager is. So I'm really excited for him to explain that, explain his disciplines on how his strategy works why it works, and again, more reasons for you to stay tuned so you can listen to what he has to say. Excited for today, it's gonna to be awesome. Let us know your feedback, give us some comments in, in you know, the drop down below, we'd love to hear what you think. And again, stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Dawson, and we wanna talk about our fireside chat. We do one each and every month with very influential people and basically topics that are really the hottest topics out there today and how do we cope with life, how do we do things, how do we actually build, what's that real estate situation look like, what about mortgage interest rates, all those things that are always uh, on our mind, sometimes keeping us awake at night, but this is a time and an opportunity for you to be part of one of these fireside chats. So if you would like to attend, we do one each month, please reach out to us and we will basically uh, give you the tools to set yourself up for our next fireside chat. We'll be doing one in just a couple weeks. Stay tuned and we'll get you more information. Welcome back. We have Ryan Warch here. I know you've been waiting for him. This is going to be a very exciting conversation and I think it's incredibly appropriate right now with a lot of news. So without further ado, gosh, thanks so much for being here, Ryan. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and, you know, the, the business that you've created. Great. Well, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always exciting to to talk about uh, my business and, and the finance world in general. Um, I run Warch Capital. Uh, Warch Capital is a general partner of a long short equity fund, a single strategy um, fund. We're a boutique firm that uh, focuses on risk management uh, and discipline. Uh, we cater to credited investors and, and high net worth uh, clientele. Well, that's great. I know that we talked a little bit offline and, and you have a hedge fund. You have a very spe a specific disciplined hedge fund. But before I go into the detail of that, let's just tell our consumer here that's watching this, what really is a hedge fund? Because the majority of people today don't even understand that. Sure. And, and, and let's actually take it back a step further, because I, I think hedge fund um, sometimes gets a, a bad name. Uh, I think a lot of people sometimes believe that hedge fund is connotated with um, high risk, um, mavericks that are kind of shooting the hip stock pickers. Uh, but quite frankly, the term hedge fund should uh, infer a, a less risk model because in reality, you should be hedged. And what that means is you're trying to uh, reduce your overall risk by taking some, some long exposure and maybe some short exposure and try and balance out maybe your equity curve and make it a little bit smoother. I know it's kind of technical, um, but in essence, a typical mutual fund is really a long only product. They only buy stocks. That's all they do. They have a mandate where they can only keep a certain amount of cash that are long only and heavily invested. And that's great in a market that goes up. But as we've seen 
over the last 20, 25 years, and really over the last year, um, the markets don't always go up. Um, so our job as hedge fund managers is to try and reduce our risk by hedging our portfolio by various different techniques, um, but we don't have those mandates that mutual funds are saddled with. So we can change our exposure levels rapidly by going into a heavy cash balance when the market goes against us or being actually short the market betting that it actually is going down and profiting from it. So that really is what differentiates a hedge fund from a general mutual fund. But at the end of the day, it's just another investment vehicle. Uh, what we try and do is reduce our clients' risk through hedging techniques. Well, I think that's a great perspective because everyone wants to reduce their risk when they're investing, but it's also having a relationship with the actual person that's making the decisions, which would actually be very different in this light because you probably have an ability to have a relationship with your consumer uh, versus a big you know, portfolio manager of a, of, of a major mutual fund. They don't necessarily have that person-to-person -person connection. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's one of our biggest probably selling points is our transparency, our openness, our willing to talk to our, um, our clients. Uh, you don't get that with a, a big, whether it's a, a bulge bracket firm broker or uh, a Vanguard. You just can't, you can't talk to their portfolio managers. I am the portfolio manager. I run the business. Um, so, you know, I, I think having that ability to pick my brain, I also put out a lot of uh, research where I, I I, I, I try and educate uh, my clients and potential clients what my firm is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think that's very important because to really believe in someone or to buy into a strategy, you, you have to understand it. It's the people that don't understand it that are willing to come in and out of it, um, most likely at the worst times because investor psychology is that really the basis of all investment decisions, whether they know it or not. Um, and I see it all the time where, where investors are always trying to chase returns or, or, or the, 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 the latest and greatest. Mm -hmm. um, but if you really understand someone's strategy, you're going to stick through it through the tough times, which all strategies go through. Unfortunately, I wish I could sit here and tell you um, they don't, but that's not, that's not the case. Yeah. I've been doing this long enough and I've been through enough drawdowns that the only way to get through it is to really believe in yourself and the strategy that you're owning as a client. Well, you're talking about strategy and what makes your strategy and how you invest for your, your client, what makes you different because you're able to be a little bit more one-on-one -on -one and uh, maybe different than what the big boys are doing out there? Uh, I think one of the things that differentiates us is our size. Um, I actually believe being a smaller firm with less AUM gives us a huge advantage. And, and the, the easiest example is, you know, it's, it's the idea of a speedboat versus a cruise liner. For a cruise liner to turn around, it's gonna take them a long time. A speedboat can turn on a dime. And that's exactly what we do. We, our biggest edge outside of our risk management is our flexibility. We can get in and out of positions. We can change our minds actually quite frequently. And when we do, we can change our exposure levels. We can go from 100% long to 50% long or 0% long in a matter of minutes. Um, and, and I think that's probably our biggest strength. Uh, and the biggest weakness of our competitors is just they're burdened by their overall size. Now, mm -hmm. there, there's obviously major 
positives to having <laughs> a lot more size. Uh, but I actually prefer to be a smaller, more nimble fund mm -hmm. that can get in and out of positions a lot more um, efficiently than some of the bigger firms. So if you see that, you know, the the decline is coming or the market risk is coming, you can get out, you don't have any restrictions because you're a little bit more nimble, as you say. Yeah. That's, I think that's great. I think, I think the consumer expects that because, you know, we're told from even as a child, you know, to buy low, sell high, or, you know, at least be able to strategize so you can, you can protect yourself. But this isn't something they teach in school. It has to be something that's kind of in someone's, uh, you know, DNA that they have a, that they have um, a build and mentorship and programs like that throughout their career. So, so did you have a significant mentor that, that, or, or, or an influence in your life that really tied you into the, the market um, or stock market or, or just something? What was that early age? What was that early experience that you had that, that kind of just got you excited about wanting to, to be in this industry? Sure. And I, I, want, I want to touch on my mentors and all that. I just want to go back to a, a point that you made. Sure. And sure. what Wall Street has done a fantastic job of is marketing. Mm -hmm. And you're 100% correct. School and education does do a terrible job for preparing you for the real world of investing. Yep. Um, I was a finance major at Virginia Tech. What I was taught at school really didn't have any basis for what I do now. <laughs> I basically self-taught myself mm -hmm. through just my experiences and, and, and being um, soaking up knowledge and, and being interested in it, really. Mm -hmm. And I think Wall Street has, what, what Wall Street does best is market. And they've drilled that into people's head, you know, like you're saying, buy low, sell high, buy index funds, low cost, uh, invest for the long term, mm -hmm. stay with the, you know, um, the trend where there's actually better ways to do it. Um, and again, I'm not saying my way is the best way, <laughs> but I encourage all your listeners mm -hmm. to go out there and look at some other outside the box investment products, such as something like mine. But you have to do, at the end of the day, your own due diligence mm -hmm. and your own hard work, quite frankly. Um, back to mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, were, we were talking earlier mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. offline right. where I, I think I somehow as a kid had a passion for this. I don't know how or why, <laughs> but I did as an early age. I was telling you, I, for my eighth birthday, <laughs> I asked for... Disney stock, Walt Disney. I still own it to this day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know many eight-year-olds that ask for stock. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> but I, I did, and I just ha always had this interest in it. Um, and it probably goes back to, to my grandfather. I remember um, during holidays going over to their house, and my grandfather was a, was a blue-collar electrician laborer. Um, but he always invested his own money and he would keep it in a notebook and he'd show me, you know, he was buying Exxon Mobil and General Electric. He actually ended up accumulating a decent amount uh, of money before he died. Um, and, and through investing, not being a big spender. And I think those were some of the things that he, he, they probably instilled into my father and, and then my parents instilled, instilled to their children was you know, really just hard work. Mm -hmm. um, don't be, don't overspend. Um, and, and really just be passionate about what you're doing. I mean, I think that's amazing because everything in life takes so much discipline. And I've always been one of those, you know, sayers saying, 
you know, if it's not fun, don't do it. You know, <laughs> do what is fun that, um, that really gives you this creative energy to be able to do this. But there's always something in our lives and uh, that influenced us from a young age and we take it with us and we either do something that's amazing with it over our lifetime because I think we have a gift or we choose to navigate to figure out what that, you know, that future is going to be. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you touched a little bit upon um, the education because so much in academics doesn't necessarily teach you the real world. And uh, you being self-taught is, is huge in, in the arena that you're in because sometimes the most incredible uh, thinkers are thinking outside of the box because maybe the one size fits all really isn't one size fits all. And now you're creating a place where it makes sense. You're giving confidence to, to your consumer and you're, you're bringing another, another educational point to even our show for our clients because not everybody's thinking like this. Uh, and I know we were talking a little bit offline about this as well and I think it's appropriate timing. There's been so much in the news uh, recently about uh, Robin Hood and the shorting of stock and these are new technology ideas but they're really old strategies but they create a lot of risk and not necessarily everybody understands it. So I know Ryan, I asked you about this too. Uh, would you be comfortable talking about it? And it was interesting, our perspective on this, but I think it's perfect timing to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so funny because I was telling you, again, our biggest edge is our risk management and discipline among a, a few others. That's probably priority number one and, and paramount. Um, I'm on a, a group text chain with a bunch of my neighborhood buddies. There's probably 15 guys on it. Um, <laughs> And going through the whole GameStop and Robinhood issue, these guys were sending texts, you know, back and forth, hundreds of texts. I'm the only professional investor on this list. And they were asking me my thoughts on GameStop and what should we do? Should we be buying it? It's going to go to 1,000 and make it go to 5,000. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I, I couldn't stress enough to them, stop watching it, stop looking at it. Don't get involved. You're going to end up losing all the money you put in there. You're not prepared for this. It's going to crash and burn at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it could go to 2000. I don't, I really have no idea. All I know is I've seen this happen over and over and over again, being in the business for 20 plus years. Um, it's, it's the same story over and over, just a different stock symbol. Um, so the reason I don't ever even look at that because it was so outside of my discipline and my strategy, didn't make sense for me. Now, the one thing I did want to do was maybe short the stock because I thought it was going to crash and it ultimately did, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't uh, size the position well enough where it met my risk uh, parameters. So I just stayed away. It's outside of my discipline. I don't look at it. That's why I've been able to be successful running my fund for 13 years mm -hmm. uh, and giving my investors a you know a market beating return with less risk because we're very focused laser-like focus on our strategy and we don't go and chase the next big thing and i think that's where most people fail in this business and, and in life really it's the psychology of it always wanting something better and going and chasing it and trying to get stuff that they're they're not educated on and don't have the expertise in um so we try and stay in our lane uh, and, and, and that's what we focus on. And I, I just, I don't worry about those outside influences. And I think that's where most people probably get 
hurt the most. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people ask me, my friend told me a tip about so-and-so or this. <laughs> and if I went and chased every rabbit hole, I'd probably be broke. And I think that's why, again, <laughs> most people fail at this, especially um, people that don't do it professionally. They're doing it for themselves and they're trying to chase the, you know, the, always the shiny toy. Mm -hmm. um, that usually ends in disaster. I agree, and, and I think that you know the world is trying to figure out how to teach or how to influence younger people, or that they can do it themselves. And uh, uh, you know, basically, if you kind of rewind several years uh, when you were younger, when you were starting to learn more and more about these things, I think you had a significant event, uh, event in your life when you were in your early twenties. How did that shift or navigate you? What, what was that experience like? Well, what we were talking about how. Um, the education in our in our country does does a pretty poor job of, of preparing people for for the real world. Um, and the reason why I am where I am now is because of certain experiences in my life that pretty much woke me up and realized that I had to get educated and I can't listen to other people for investment advice. So when I got into this business, again, some of my, my business mentors are, are the, my two original bosses that hired me. Mm. Extremely smart guys, um, independently wealthy, um, but they had a different strategy. Uh, and, and they're really good at their strategy. It just didn't fit the narrative that um, I was comfortable with. They, just, they were willing to take a lot more risk than I was willing to. So when I first got hired, um, I, I was living at my parents' house, living in the basement. I was making, I hired me for $25,000 a year. I got licensed, I studied. Um, and while I was doing that, I opened up my first brokerage account. Uh, and I put, I think my first paycheck in it, it was a couple hundred bucks. And every, every couple of weeks I was adding to it. Um, and I, I ultimately had maybe a couple thousand dollars in there. And all I was doing was buying what they told me to buy. And this was in late 99, early 2000, when the market was just right. going bananas. I think we both got into the industry right around the same time. So yeah. I, I can relate. It was fascinating to watch. Me and some, mm -hmm. I, I had no idea what was going on. I just assumed everything went up because every time I bought something, it was up <laughs> And I thought right. it was easy, quite frankly. Uh, being right. so naive, I, I just didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I probably got a couple thousand, maybe $5,000 in my account, which at that time to me was all the money I had. And it felt, you know, mm -hmm. like a million dollars. And it was probably the best lesson I ever could have learned because I didn't have any money. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what happened was I basically put all of my money in every stock that they told me. One day I owned Nortel Networks. They released earnings. It opened up and was cut in half. I saw half of my account disappear overnight. And wow. I, I felt sick to my stomach mm. and I from that point forward said I have got to figure out a better way so what I did is I went on a, a fact-finding educational mission to read everything I could and figure out is there a better way mm -hmm. um so the the biggest lesson that I've always learned is you and I think it's so true is you have to have a strategy that um, really tailors to your personality. My personality wouldn't allow me to sit through a 50, 60% drawdown. 
I just, I can't do that to my core. My bosses were able to do it. They were able to stomach it. I, that wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so I can relate. Yeah. 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 So basically for the next five years, that's all I did. I just, I, I read everything I, I could, um, all different types, um, investing books, magazines, newspapers. Uh, and ultimately I created a strategy that was tailored to my personality and worked for me. Um, I, I got, I ended up opening up, you know, another account. I had some success trading my strategy. I ended up showing it to my bosses. They ended up funding me with some, some startup money to run an account for them based on my strategy, because it ultimately was really uncorrelated to their strategy, mm -hmm. um, which they were really only long, only small micro caps, um, illiquid stuff. I was completely separate. Um, mm -hmm. And I had some success doing that with them that ultimately led me to start my own firm and open up uh, my own um, hedge fund. But without that experience of having that massive loss, I may never actually be here today. I don't know. Um, and I think the, the, the lesson in that is that you have to learn from your mistakes mm -hmm. um, and you have, you have to do your own research and your own, there's no substitute for hard work in this business. I mean, mm -hmm. the reason that, that I'm successful isn't because I'm smarter than the next guy. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think that's true at all. I think I just work extremely hard and I'm a, extremely disciplined. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm we're our time's pretty much getting close to running out, but I have that dying question because I think it's very, um, I want to get your perspective on it. And when you came into the industry in the late 90s, going into 2000, which was the dot-com bubble, then we had, you know, 9-11 and corporate corruption, you know, three years of down markets. But I mean, literally, you could throw something at the wall and it was going to make money, just like you were saying, you know, you had like a 30% rate of return and boom, it was great. Um, but then all of a sudden, the, the, the bottom drops out. So, you know, in a, in a few words or less, where do you think we are now? Because there's so many economists right now that are saying it's really just like that dot-com bubble that we're getting ready for again. Well, it's a million-dollar question. Uh, yeah. and, and quite frankly, to be truthfully honest, I don't know. Yeah. My strategy isn't predicated on me forecasting the future, predicting what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. My strategy is predicated on reacting to what is happening. Um, right now, the markets have some certain similarities of the late 90s exuberance. But irrational exuberance started, I believe was said in, in 95 or 6. Market didn't peak until March of 2000. Mm -hmm. So could this crazy bull market that we're experiencing since you know, April of, of 2020 go on for three, four, five more years? Absolutely. And there's historical precedents to say that that could happen. Um, all I know is we have to stay uh, disciplined to our strategy and we will ultimately react. When the trend does turn, we will get off the train stop there and wait for it to self-correct because it is going to correct again at some point. When, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but historically in our 13 years, we've missed every significant correction and I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will miss the next big one. But for me to try and sit here and tell you when it's going to happen is impossible. Uh, and I'd be a, 
you know, a full. Well, you're watching this every day, and I think with your discipline, you're going to see it before the average consumer sees it. So, um, you know, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for your perspective. This is great. I'd love to know more information. I'd love to have you back on the show, um, just because I think there's even more things that we can add. Um, I'd love for people to know about your blog, which I'm sure we'll put that information in there. Uh, there's just so much wisdom, and I mean, I want to talk to you for probably hours right now, just because I had all these other questions I wanted to ask. But um, again, thank you for your insight. I think it was powerful. And I think for you as a consumer, it's about time to get educated. Don't think that this is all going to happen overnight and magically you're going to just open up and everything's going to look rosy. There, there's so much knowledge, education that you can get from experts like Ryan that, uh, that just give you a completely different perspective. And that one-on-one -on -one being able to have that commentary I think is huge because everyone wants to be heard. So um, hold on, stay tuned. We'll be right back with some you know, follow-up questions from some, uh, some people that have sent them in. And uh, we're so glad that you're here for this interview today. All right, stay tuned. Wow, wasn't that some amazing education and knowledge? Even though there's some big words in that, in that interview and that conversation, you know, this is time to get educated. It's time to get educated about, you know, where you put your money, what you do, how you do it. Uh, but ultimately, there's a professional for everything. And when it comes to building, accumulating, and actually preserving your hard-worked money, uh, what you've saved, what, whether it's your retirement account or just savings in the bank, it's time to actually consider a financial professional. It's not something where you're going to get rich quick because um, there's going to be definitely educated people that know how to navigate, and that's what we want. Um, we just do not want these maximum drawdowns that could actually ruin our, you know, our future. So uh, if you'd like to know more information about Ryan, we'll be happy to give it to you. Just reach out to us, 619-640-2622. Uh, and again, we always answer an, you know, an audience question. I have a question here, and I'll just, I'll just read it to you. It says, what should I do to keep myself from spending more money than I earn every month? Well, I mean, the rational thing to say is stop spending more than you earn. <laughs> now it's time to have a better relationship with your money. That's what the Ways to Live Your Money show is. It's, a, it's an education about money. It's a respect for money. And then also your ability to uh, work hard, build your wealth, and then really turn it into something that makes sense. Uh, majority of people today, they, you know, they used to dream when they were children. They used to think about all these grandiose things that they wanted to do or accomplish. But what they forgot when they started to go into the work world and become, you know, that adulting individual as well as, you know, starting families, everything else, it was about making enough money to be able to support your family, to give your children the future that maybe you didn't have or even better than what you had. And, you know, never really talk about the relationship with money. So this is about talking about a relationship with money. This is looking at your cash flow. How much income do you have coming in? Really break down what your mandatory expenses are or what we call fixed costs. And then whatever you have left over, that's what you can spend. This is not about buffering your lifestyle with a credit card to be able to afford the addition above and beyond what your income is. It's time to start saving. It's time to start getting serious. And, you know, you can have whatever you want. You can live a modest life or you can live an extravagant life. But either way, you've got to understand what the consequences are because the sacrifices that you make today are going to create the dreams, goals, and desires of your future that you can actually do whatever you want to do. 
but don't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's a definition of insanity. You don't want that one. So let's not have a definition of insanity for your financial success and relationship with money. Let's create a new success pattern for your future. All right, thanks again for staying tuned. This has been a great show, super exciting. I'd love to have Ryan come back because I think there's so many questions that people have that they need to have answered and they're maybe not getting that information today from someone that's so knowledgeable in that world. So again, stay tuned. We'll be back next week and uh, thanks for being here. information provided in this show is for informational and educational purposes only. This show is not investment advice, nor is it intended to address the financial needs of any particular viewer. The opinions expressed on this show are not intended to be an endorsement of any particular investment strategy or service of any other kind. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned throughout the show. Before acting on information in this show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular situation and strongly consider seeking advice from a financial advisor.